Hello again there, Team NXT, CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you the longest-running independently produced NXT podcast available, that UFP show that is all about the NXT show, the Undisputed Future Podcast. Thank you so very much for tuning in and listening once again. Have not spoken since before In Your House 2021. Life gets hectic, career picks up, and exciting opportunities come along. But able to buckle down on a Wednesday evening after a very pleasant day, after a great edition of NXT TV on June 22nd, looking to recap In Your House 2021 just a little bit, do a little bit of a recap on the June 15th exciting edition of NXT as well, and of course cover the most recent edition on June 22nd. And of course now is the time where my dog will take the time to drink his water just as I'm building up steam, just as the show is really picking up. So Colin, I'm going to try and talk over you to try and limit the number of background noise. This edition, talking Samoa Joe and Mo. Absolutely. It's been a long, long stretch since we received that awful, awful news in April, Samoa Joe getting released from the WWE and just one of the most bizarre roster moves to come as of late. There's been a lot of questionable and controversial releases from fan bases stretching all of 2021. But Samoa Joe, definitely one of the most high-profile names and questionable choices. And thank you, Triple H. We finally found the repurpose of Samoa Joe in NXT. The Enforcer. The man who cannot strike back unless physically provoked. We're going old school Stone Cold Steve Austin as Enforcer rules with Samoa Joe. Immediately already really like that. And I want to dig into, of course, the actual debut and the in-ring confrontation he had with in-ring and current champion Karrion Cross and coming to relieve Mr. Regal and first accept this offer, in a sense. But I uh, want to address a question early on from the Boom Dizzle, Credly Booper, one of my one of my friends on the Twitter timeline. I was thinking to myself, do you think Samoa Joe's release was just a restructuring of contract, like in the NFL, as dumb as they are for release, then rehire? It seems too dumb for them. I think this is a great question. I think it's always something to consider because looking at... The wrestling landscape is just a little bit different and how they're conceived as independent contractors despite being employed under under a publicly traded company, etc., etc. But there is that part of us as fans that needs to look at the broader picture kind of as professional athletes. So a professional athlete is an apt comparison here, like an NFL contract, like an MLB recontract, some sort of a restructuring. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's maybe a strategic move. If you believe everything that you read, the NXT talents do make considerably less, but the Finn Balor move in the roster kind of raises ire and question to that. You have an authority figure and a legend like William Regal working on the brand. You have Samoa Joe as one high-profile talent being brought back for a specific purpose. It could come at a little bit of a cost, maybe with some added benefit, because NXT moving forward, of course, is going to take place still in Florida, still in the CWC, so that cuts out travel expenses for one Samoa Joe. So it could have been a contract that maybe was renegotiated 
taking into account all the expenses that wouldn't be placed on Joe moving forward, such as travel, hotel, etc. Because, you know, believe me, I'm pretty sure this is a safe estimate. I don't know this for sure. Perhaps somebody could fact check me at podcast underscore UF on Twitter. But Samoa Joe being a longtime TNA talent, he's got to have some some home in Florida. He's got to have some base of operations to really just base his life out of. So I think cutting out that cost could have been something in the process. I do think there is a strong possibility of, whoa, not so fast. Maybe we released you from this main roster, from this commentary, former active superstar contract. But maybe this occasional, let's get the T's out there. Let's see if Samoa Joe can get cleared for one, two. I'm going to just get greedy and say as many matches as we possibly can because of how much we can fantasy book with this current slate of NXT roster. So I do think this was a great possibility. Thank you so much for the question. The Boom Dizzle is the at. Um, great follow. Uh, really, really active wrestling fan. And uh, those are my favorite. Thank you so much for the question and kicking off the conversation for episode 125. Let's go back just a little bit. I know it's kind of old hat at this point, but it needs to be talked about. It's an NXT takeover. MS Colossal. Nash Carter. Nash Carter, Wesley, and Bronson Reed teaming up against Legado del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza. This was the exciting and dynamic. It was the opening match that you wanted. It was the cruiserweight chemistry between MSK and Joaquin Wilde, Mendoza, and former Cruiserweight champion Santos Escobar. The in-ring style of the NXT Tag Team Champions right now really blends well with such high-profile Cruiserweights and really uh, really standout names in that division. And a faction like Legado Fantasma, I don't think all hope is lost here. I do think there is that chance for Santos to move up in the food chain I don't think it comes at the expense of Bronson Reed. I think that there's got to be somebody else to take that North American championship away, unless it is by, you know, these outrageous means that uh, the two other members of Legado can get involved. And this opinion was just a little bit different last week. I really wanted to launch into how I believe that Bronson Reed, given the emphasis that this is 14 years in the making in his career without holding a single championship. This is the guy that really, not just his first championship, but can really be a significant reign in NXT history. A man who's just a boss, just a bulldozer, just the Godzilla of the North American championship division. That's something that needs to reign a long time. I think there's also a VD name that needs to get knocked off the the pedestal as currently longest running North American Championship. I really wish I had a stat man at my side to uh, to second to second guess me there or uh, confirm that. So uh, just something worth considering. I do think that Bronson Reed's title reign should be significant. However, on the other side of that coin, we do see that there is interest in the North American Champion on the main roster, debuting on main events. I believe against Drew Gulak. Yes, I believe it was Karrion Cross taking on Shelton Benjamin, and uh, and Bronson Reed did take on Drew Gulak in 
the most recent edition of main event tapings. Another another aspect of that I do want to get into is this whole can Cross come up without Scarlet? And I'll pick that up when uh, when we start really talking about our NXT champion. But going back to this match to open up TakeOver, the splash through the barricade. We saw it once. We saw that splat on NXT television, but we got the full-on splash through the barricade. Santos exploding, and then a tsunami for the W on Mr. Wild. All three of these men would hold on to their championship gold and still tag team champions and still North American champion MSK and Bronson Reed in the winner-take-all match. Moving into women's division, the first of two women's matches in this TakeOver event. Love, love, love a TakeOver event featuring more than one women's match. With a division that's the best in the world, you gotta put that spotlight on it. And Mercedes Martinez getting that TakeOver spotlight once again, and Zia Lee getting to it for the very first time in her career. Mercedes Martinez unable to take over another win. And it's unfortunate because you know that she wasn't going to take it against Raquel. Maybe there could have been a little bit more time for this for this match. Give Martinez, as an in-ring veteran, that takeover win. Maybe it's she can't win on the big stage despite being in this business for so long. I think there could be an interesting story breaking off from there. But Zia Lee would win and Boa would get a chair involved in the match. And then Zia Lee would become a victim of this chair. So a little bit of 50-50 at the end there until one astounding moment by Mei Ying. Pause record for a sneeze. We're fully transparent here on the UFP show. Mei Ying with this just... Tian Sha just shutting down Mercedes Martinez. Ying with this choke and would send Mercedes flying into the barricade of the CWC. I don't know what kind of superhuman strength is coming out of this. I don't know what kind of supernatural elements Tian Sha seems to be incorporating on NXT. But this was this was a sight to see. Mercedes vowing to uh, to rebound from all this. And I'll get into this continuing rivalry a little bit later on. But what a way to uh, to end this segment for, for this matchup. Really wild visual and... Unbelievable, but watching pro wrestling and just suspending your disbelief a little bit is cool because there's there's not as much drop-ins of supernatural and magic and all of these things in the sports entertainment side on NXT. So this is this is kind of a new direction for the brands. It's not it's not something I'm against in the slightest. I think that uh those vignettes and the training and the beatdown and this kind of Stockholm Syndrome that formed this faction in the first place, I think that the roots of Tian Sha are really strong. I think the foundation is building in the right direction with this takeover win for Zia Lee, but just just a little bit just a little bit different on NXT, and I'm not so sure that uh, I'm not sure if this will continue in the future, but we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Zia Lee. Successful here at TakeOver in your house. We were here from Champa and Thatcher. I'm not going to recap a promo that happened at the TakeOver event. We'll get to that Tornado Tag Match at the end of uh, of the June 15th discussion. The Million Dollar Ladder Match 
it's one of those matches very few notes on because of how drawn in. Cameron Grimes is over like Rover right now. LA Knight, it really is his game. One of the top promos in the industry right now. The guy has a microphone in his hands. He gets a video vignette. Your eyes are on the screen and your ears are perked up listening to what he has to say. And a lot of it is the delivery, the cadence, the coolness, the uh, the delivery. It's all in uh, it's all in LA Knight's delivery, and that's why I think for this first achievement of the million dollar title on NXT, I do think the right man won here. I know it goes totally against my NXT takeover in your house prediction that oh Cameron Grimes doesn't win this this whole thing is pointless, but. Then the million dollar coronation happens, and this is why I don't immediately jump to a takeover reaction show. I let the fallout take place. You let that bomb go off. You see what the landscape is after, not just the pay-per-view event itself and having just that quick turnaround time to try and get predictions out there for the next week on TV. You see how those immediate results impact I guess now it's 48 hours later or, uh, you know, 72, what have you, uh, in the past from TakeOver events, even even over that, even just 96. I mean, Saturday TakeOvers back in the day were a little bit easier to cover with such turnaround time, but I digress. Cameron Grimes and the continuation of the Ted DiBiase interactions is so very important due to the events taking place later. This betrayal by L.A. Knight after a heartfelt, you're my inspiration type promo. So L.A. Knight sending Cameron Grimes from the moon at the top of that ladder to the floor through another ladder. It's something that needed to happen. This is a story I do not mind seeing continuing, especially the entertainment factors from two of the current greats in NXT personality-wise and one of the legends featured so heavily in this rivalry. I think Cameron Grimes and uh, and Ted DiBiase getting on good terms after all of this and kind of taking on this mentorship rather than one-upping each other. Good story comes in waves, has those highs and lows of emotion, has you twisting and turning, and that's exactly what we're getting out of Grimes, DiBiase, and LA Knight. Back to that at the official Million Dollar Coronation. Talking Raquel versus Ember... Knowing the results going into this one, this is a very much a kayfabe environmental show. But just looking at the layout of the lands going into this takeover, Ember Moon, former NXT Women's Champion, it would be a very much landmark win for Raquel. And you know Raquel's reign is not going to end this short, this short of a time span. At least not without some tension and dissension building between her and Dakota Kai. Not something I want to happen, but something that, in my opinion, the writing is on the wall for. Ember's been here, takeover stage before, but not against an opponent this size of Raquel, but absolutely opponents just as tough. Shayna Baszler, NXT, Shayna two-time, comes to mind immediately. Raquel... Raquel keeps getting better, in my humble opinion. The twisting bomb, some new aerial offense for the powerhouse in this one. I thought it was good. And I did mention some tension and dissension. 
future. Maybe, I think the writing in the wall is written in invisible ink first, and then you got to kind of implement heat or uh, huh, see what I did there. Literal heat or professional wrestling heat to truly bring it out. And uh, Kai paying dividends here. No real sign of that in in this particular title matchup. But Shotzi Blackheart would return. Shotzi, a heavy catalyst, the catalyst of this title matchup. Remember that vicious barricade assault from Kai and Gonzalez to Ember Moon's tag team partner in crime. The DDT on the apron to Raquel, really all the stops being pulled out by Ember Moon, countering with the Eclipse in unique fashion, great match, NXT Women's Division delivering Got to give credit where it's due. Ember Moon taking the fairly still new champion through probably her best matchup to this date in my mind. However, Raquel able to execute and powerbomb Ember Moon for the W and still retaining Raquel Gonzalez. Brushing through five-man field, fatal five-way, carrying cross, Adam Cole, Bay Bay. Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, Johnny Gargano, and the Bruiserweight, Pete Dunn. Cross asking for this Fatal 5-Way match. Asking for four of the most talented men on the NXT roster. Not, not the Mount Rushmore of NXT. Not the very best that this brand has ever offered. Because Finn Balor is not in this particular matchup. Maybe the best out of opponents that we haven't seen cross face yet. Maybe there's an argument to be made there, but without Finn Balor, without that landmark of the... the I don't like pro wrestling uh, Mount Rushmore's. First of all, I think it... Uh, I think it kind of takes away from international fans. I think dedicating something in professional wrestling to just this... American landmark with, let's be straight here, former slave owners on it. I think just limiting that field of great talents in pro wrestling history to just four men, I don't think it could be done. I don't think it could be done with a brand like NXT either, especially looking at it from, let's call it 2014 onwards. Looking at that seven-year span, how many greats have come and gone? How many of the best characters have come and gone? How many, taking this into account, peaked in NXT, made that performance the best of their career? That impacts the brand. That leaves inspiration behind as well. So no cross did not face the Mount Rushmore. And shout out to any UK or outside of US listeners who happen to be tuning in right now. I'm a uh, I'm not on this Mount Rushmore kick. We are on the championship kick of carrying Cross, though. I mean, Cross controlled early and often in this, in this matchup. Uh, do want to write down and give a shout out to the quick um, homage of Johnny Gargano's gear, the full-on Shawn Michaels HBK in your house tributes. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Chaos outside the ring as anticipated, sending Karrion Cross through the front door. Uh, threw on a little caption at podcast underscore UF on Twitter. Use that image. 
thought it was thought it was a chaotic match. I thought it was exactly what we expected. I just, I mean, fatal four-way for a little bit. And then just sudden dominance return for the champion. Uh, Gargano would get a brunt of the assault in this matchup. And going back to the predictions episode, I really did think Johnny Gargano would be on the wrong end of this beatdown because of the way that things have been shaping up between Gargano and Cross. Theory taking on Cross and losing, but Johnny Gargano has not gotten that one-on-one direct comeuppance. Instead, jumping to this ending. And before I get, actually not jumping because Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly working together to uh, to plant Cross. I'm guessing the announce table was supposed to break. Uh, didn't break there. Just impact. Spine to pine. Ouch. Drawing ends of this matchup, Kyle would be able to lock in Adam Cole, getting the best of his former friend once again, but then Cross able to take advantage of not just the immobile Adam Cole, but the back turns of Kyle O'Reilly, able to lock in the Cross jacket. And Kyle O'Reilly, of all the people in this field, would get the direct loss in this championship. Now, looking at the way of the lands, only true babyface in the matchup, Kyle O'Reilly. So that booking that booking standpoint, I'm going to understand. But Kyle moving forward as a top competitor, we now know that the rivalry with Cole is going to continue. We'll see it in two weeks from this point, or rather 13 days from this point at the Great American Bash. But Kyle losing here, I thought at the time of TakeOver, was questionable. Like I said, Johnny Gargano getting that one-on-one, but now in the, it kind of seems like Gargano is going to be Cross's next one-on-one challenger. Kind of feels overdue, but uh, the way things are are going, and I swear these, these are puns not intended. My inflection is a little bit different when it's a meaningful pun surrounding the Gargano family faction. I think it was it was something to think about, but we're kind of headed in a uh, in the right direction here. Point being, carrying cross retains to honestly, not really uh, not really many people's surprise. What could shaped up to be a surprise was William Regal not being NXT General Manager anymore, and uh, perhaps time for a change would be the ominous line that would end takeover. In your house. But the fallout on the 15th. William Regal would start things off. Highly emotional. Reminiscing his time. Going back to calling. The first takeover. To watching it grow as a brand. To it going internationally. And in Blackpool. Able to have his nieces. There sitting at ringside. And the man. Cried the emotional investment in this opening segment for June 15th edition of NXT. My God, people. This is what pro wrestling is about. This is the emotional investment we make as humans with these people who give it all in the ring and then come back as these authority figures to just keep on contributing. And you know how much William Regal is giving off camera in NXT and just taking all of these things into account and watching this promo play out, a tear is falling from my eyes. 
I've given all I can give you. Now, William Regal does not believe he can give what we deserve as fans anymore. And in the most touching of touching moments, our apocalyptic NXT champion would bring it all to a screeching halt. He would go back to William's points of being unable to give us anything. Cross would attempt to uh, to be right and wants to hold the authority over the authority of the show and championship title or not. This is this is just not an action that's going to fly. And then the music hits. And the thumb comes out, and the pinky comes out, and we see Samoa Joe, former two-time NXT champion, another NXT champion famous for choking out his opponents. Samoa Joe returns home to the black and gold brand. Joe would be offered the direct general manager spot, and his response was respectfully... Absolutely not. It's too big a shoes to fill and the acknowledgments to uh, to what his own chaos had created on NXT. I suppose this is sort of a roundabout way of Joe making things right for what he caused when he was a force de resistance on NXT. When he was the chaos causing champion. When he was in the shoes of one carrying cross, I suppose. Or Adam Cole, or Kyle O'Reilly, or Shotzi Blackheart, or Ember Moon, or Raquel Gonzalez, or Mei Ying and Tian Sha, or any of the number outrageous, chaotic situations that have arisen in NXT. Samoa Joe, pretty good personification of things in NXT's past and NXT's present when it comes to to a chaotic landscape. So Joe's back as the force with a little bit of a caveat. He cannot be a competitor, cannot touch anyone on the roster unless physically provoked. Touched on it before, worth saying again, call back to Stone Cold Steve Austin style terms here. We'd see them take place when Cole and O'Reilly would just go back to each other. Adam Cole getting choked out. Samoa Joe's first evening on the job. Welcome back, Samoa Joe. And from this chaos, each of those men, Cole and O'Reilly, would have an opponent on the June 22nd edition of NXT TV. And both would be pushed to the limit by some very, very incredible performers. Kyle O'Reilly taking on the main eventer of this edition. Well, not main eventer, but uh, close to main eventer. The man continuing the open challenge for the Cruiserweight Championship in Kushida. And Adam Cole would face the promising up-and-comer Carmelo Hayes. And that introduction from Hayes to Cole is worth its own discussion. But moving back just a little bit... Brizango taking on Imperium, a rivalry in the tag team division. So good does not need the titles. Imperium's modus operandi, the mat is sacred. Brizango does not appreciate the seriousness of the sport. Brizango protesting to that point, 
saying we might like to have fun. But when it comes down to brass tacks, when that bell rings, Brizango can bring it. And uh, Breeze is tough as nails here, folks. Taking a rough landing in uh, in this match on the outside. It would be Dango beating down most of this matchup. I really think it was just so Breeze could get his bearings, could really word and uh, vocalize his position to the uh, to the ringside attendants and uh, and the doctors and, and such. Because you saw a little bit of a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of uh, of a gut check on the outside during this matchup. It, it was cause for concern, in my opinion, for Breeze. But then the hot tag would happen. It was a good one, cooled quickly by the clothesline. However, Brizango still able to enter the recorded W in the record books, but the last laugh would go to Imperium. Imperium with a post-match assault and draping an Imperium flag. I like a flag drape in pro wrestling. I mean, when it's actual countries conflict... I think it works. I think in this case, it's a faction making a point. I think it uh, it can absolutely serve that uh, that purpose as as well. And Imperium is going to let you know they're there by by any means necessary. I covered our uh, Great American Bash, Cole and Kyle Chaos. Uh, when Adam Cole wakes up, he would uh he would anticipate Samoa would uh. Forward the word that Mr. Rico anticipated an answer. The answer would come on the microphone. This most edition, most recent edition of NXT TV. The battery charging segments here. Folks, I'm pushing all my chips in. I'm planting my feet in the ground. I don't think it's a debut. I think it's a return. And the most popular guess is, well... The most popular guest that I'm seeing from the one that isn't my own is one Tegan Knox. And I'm going to lay out the case for Tegan Knox, even though it's not my own personal pick, because I do think there there is an argument to be made there. I think that Tegan Knox, coming back from injury, she's recharging. The NXT women's division is on a big enough scale and growing in talent, just kind of coming into their own performance center and uh, just being brought up the traditional way. The influx of a return with the way that Raw and SmackDown need women's talent. I do think that a spot can open up in a women's championship picture or a high-profile um, spot on the card for a woman like a Tegan Knox to return while somebody makes their way out to Raw or SmackDown. Not that I wish that on anyone, but for the sake of being entertained on Monday and Fridays as well, I think we could see some of the promising talent in the NXT Women's Division help out the shows uh, The shows over there, like like Piper Niven has been doing on, on Monday Night Raw. Not going to touch the rest of that, but... uh. The former NXT UK superstar has been adding something to Raw's division in just a couple of weeks. She's been on there. So bringing somebody back into this division and adding that spark to an already stacked division 
with a what's next for this returning superstar, just adding another possible layer of story outside of a title picture, I think it can absolutely fit for Miss Tegan Knox. My pick here, Team NXT, is the finest of superstars. I believe one Kona Reeves is going to make his way back to NXT TV. And I think these promos are for him. Taking a couple things into account here. He's been off TV for a while. Number one, obviously. Duh. For lack of a better word. No, I was not uh, I was not talking to you there, Bixby. Um, talking about Kona Reeves. You're not the finest. He's the finest. Number two. Darkened aesthetic. Looking at his Twitter profile. Black hair now. Surprising turnaround. So I think it's a return with a character twist. One thing I would like to see. I do think that if it is Kona Reeves just using all these context clues, I think the finest character can continue. Kind of throwing the recharge analogy back, not from a returning injury, but recharging, reinvigorating what it means to be the finest. Rather than platinum blonde hair and several chains and golden minks and just these long fur coats and this, that, and the other deal with the shades, I think that he can portray himself as the absolute finest in a more subtle way. I think it could be black-on-black suits, black tie affair, long stretch limousines pulling into the NXT parking lot, the man being Armani Black rather than a light blue vibrant sort of display of wealth and leisure and grandeur. I think that doing this character on a more subtle sort of way, I think that there is a lot going on with the the rich guy landscape in NXT right now with the Million Dollar Championship and Cameron Grimes and LA Knight proving that they're the richest men in talents and bank accounts. So that landscape can already be spoken for. But this would also kind of add another contender for that because it's a novelty title, yes, but it's a title that can push character work rather than championship athletic status. I hope that's making sense and it translated right. You got any questions on what the fuck I just said there at podcast underscore UF on Twitter? But I think it could be Conor Reeves. I think he's due for a return. I think it's got to be... I don't think it's a debut of something brands spanking new, especially with the, uh, the Diamond Mines making its... Presence known on NXT this most recent week. I think that this one is a recharging. I think it's a return. And I think there's a case to be made for Tegan Knox, But my personal pick is going to be the finest, Kona Reeves. May not be that form of character. But I do think that Kona Reeves is going to make his way back on the scene. And these vignettes are going to end up being for him. Santos Escobar making another claim for a one-on-one North American Championship matchup and moving on from there. Trey Baxter 
the former Blake Christian accepting Kushida's open challenge, and Kushida's world rocked again by another impressive opponent, another upstart. The man who has already had recent pads cross with Carmelo Hayes. Hayes building one hell of an introductory NXT resume, though, folks. Am I right? Kushida and Adam Cole in back-to-back matchups? Oh, boy. That's uh, that's starting out one foot in front of the other. And, uh, ooh, that's... That's that's building that's building some status. Um, another impressive debut for these open challenges. I really like that Kushida is using his platform as cruiserweight champion to shine some light on incoming performance center prospects. So uh, kudos there to our Kushida champion. Kyle O'Reilly scouting the field for potential opponents. If Mister Baxter able to pull off the ultimate upset and win the cruiserweight championship. I'm sure that Kyle would have picked him. However, Spanish Fly from an Irish whip, I mean, able to really roll in this matchup was Blake Christian. Baxter really able to pull out all the stops here. However, unable to escape, hoverboard lock, elementary after that, Kushida retaining the Cruiserweight Championship, and Kyle would issue the challenge and June 22nd, NXT. It was on. We would say hello next to Presley and Frankie Monet. Next week, the re-debut, the re-world premiere, world premiere to Electric Boogaloo. Anyway, uh, next week a match. This week causing a little bit of drama in the Robert Stone brand. I'll get back on this topic. Mercedes Martinez, still the wrong person to, uh, you know, Wu-Tang Clan ain't none to fuck with. P- pissed off Puerto Rican from the Bronx ain't none to fuck with. Uh, anytime, any place, she wants to see this one-to-one record broken between her and Zia Lee. Segment. Million dollar coronation for one L.A. Knight. Yeah. And let me talk to you on this topic. Really heartfelt. You didn't... You you know that this couldn't continue, but the way it started, it really just felt like a fan talking to somebody he looked up to. It felt real. And that's when the best times on the mic are going to come when these things feel real. We would learn, however, L.A. Knight has what he wants and it's time to drop what he does not need. And a great right hand delivered L.A. Knight, million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, Grimes would make the save. Grimes would make the save to a huge, huge ovation. He wouldn't just make a save. Chanting to the moon, the CWC on fire for the Dogecoin GameStop hillbilly millionaire. And that's what we need right now. We need a clearly defined babyface and heel in the storyline. And it came very naturally through the entertaining antics of Cameron Grimes. 
And the natural evolution of a storyline, something... I mean, it's it's rare to get it satisfactorily done in today's pro wrestling landscape, but this was perfectly, perfectly executed. Grimes would make the save, but it is L.A. Knight's game, and it is L.A. Knight's million-dollar championship. Uh, uh, yeah, I could talk this for a little while. Going back to women's action, Team Ninja, Casey and Caden, taking on Raquel and Dakota Kai. I mean, Kai and Gonzalez unstoppable walking away with the win here, but I did think, I did think that this was the best that Casey and Caden have looked. All right, moving on from there. Everrise, taking exception to the assaults by, uh, by Hit Row and Everrise Hit Row. Great rivalry in uh, in NXT as well. That would continue on the 22nd as well. And so would the debut of Diamond Mine. I think there was a Regal promo cut off for time or it was just aired at the wrong moment because it was, uh, it was looking like the parking lot ending segment that ended up going on after the Tornado Tag Team main event. And I'm already 42 minutes into the show. So I don't need to go too much into detail on this match. You either saw this incredible tag team action or you didn't. There was no opening promo. It was on from the word go as soon as everything dropped. As soon as their music hit to make their entrance. I think Champa and Toothless Timmy were storming that ring. This match was fun. It was intense. It was 100 miles per hour. It might have been 1,000 kilometers per hour trying to... Uh, appeal to the grizzled young veterans UK side of the uh, of the speedometer here. Match was fun and brutal. I don't know how grizzled young veterans haven't been the tag team champions here yet because there's no such thing as a bad match for them ever. There's nothing that's been even underwhelming ever, no matter who their opponents have been in NXT so far. So, uh... Fairly questionable on why Drake and Gibson didn't at least win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Gibson, microphone, large trophy, missed opportunity. This match would end. Air Raid crashed to Gibson on the table. I felt that one in my spine and my neck. And then James Drake. Poor James Drake. A fairy tale ending followed by a double submission, not just the armbar by Tommaso Ciampa, but a debilitating ankle lock by Toothless Timmy Thatcher as well. Drake, no choice to tap out. Thatcher and Ciampa, we would learn from this matchup, earning a number one contendership at the Great American Bash against MSK as well. June 15th, ending on a very positive note here, though, folks. Knights, one of many for Samoa Joe. And we would learn exactly that. I'm going to jump into the June 22nd edition of NXT Conversation here, Team NXT, but I'm going to throw in a brief musical interlude to segue the conversation and throw a timestamp onto this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and hope to see you on the other side of this. Hello, Team NXT. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome to the show. Whatever side of that equation you're on, 
uh, thank you for being here. CD Danny Mac, episode 125 of the NX, of the UFP show, all about the NXT show, the Undisputed Future podcast. The NXT conversation from June 22nd, NXT TV kicking off with Adam Cole, Bay Bay, finally waking up from that forcefully applied nap, courtesy of Samoa Joe, and obviously he was made aware of William Regal's, uh, William Regal's terms placed upon him and Kyle O'Reilly to find themselves an opponent, but Adam Cole could not be bothered to do such a thing, and he woke up well awake and refreshed and ready to go because what a hell of a promo as if anything should be expected less from one of the best NXT champions of all time. Cole says he's above this, he's out of here, but, 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 not so fast. Carmelo Hayes, Carmelo Hayes, the former Christian Casanova making one hell of an impact on NXT TV already with one hell of a match against Kushida, steps up to the current Cruiserweight Champion and the former, one of the top NXT Champions of all time. What a hell of a first two-match resume for Mr. Hayes. And how, how did he score this match? With a classic line by one of the all-time greats, a little ruthless aggression by Hayes and a slap, and it is on. Great match out of these two. Expected great chemistry, good stuff. Hayes just Hayes just making one hell of an impression. Two matches make the most out of those minutes, and by God, he's doing so. Two great matches, Kushida and Adam Cole back-to-back. Many near falls in this one. A lot of impressive offense by Carmelo Hayes. This suplex into a cutter-looking maneuver really blew me away, and a beautifully executed code breaker through the course of this matchup. It, of course, takes two to tango on matchups. So what Adam Cole was able to deliver for Carmelo Hayes, Carmelo Hayes paid back in one hell of an ending to this one. Carmelo Hayes spiked by a Panama Sunrise 1-2-3 for the W. Adam Cole, victory, momentum, heading into NXT Great American Bash. Mutual respect and no love loss. I mean, we saw that for Kushida, but Adam Cole, Adam Cole getting out of there. Mutual respect, but no love loss. A little bit of a gray area featured between Io Shirai and Zoe Stark teaming up. And uh, Zoe Stark getting her big break out of Io Shirai. So the respect to the former NXT Women's Champion, it's there on Zoe Stark's behalf. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Going back to one of the classics for uh, for this. I, I mean, the hard seltzer craze is all over there. White Claws are all over the uh, the wrestling scene right now. I myself am an owner of the Danhausen Spicy Water White Claw merch uh, mug. So I'm a fan of those as well. But I figure all these, I mean, Mike's Hard Stuff ran, walked so that the hard seltzer craze could run. So uh, kind of doing a little bit of a retro thing with... Uh, Lately, and uh, I don't know that black cherry lemonade, it hits and it hits nicely. Moving forward, um, 
Hot topic last uh, first half of the show, Johnny Gargano being in the NXT title picture right now. I was of the opinion going into In Your House that Gargano would pay because of Cross's singles victory already over Austin Theory that to retain his title and get his full retribution over the way, Gargano would be on the other side of the uh, of the cross jacket lock at In Your House. But Gargano seems to be making a case for himself to move forward in a one-on-one matchup and being champion. A lot of words about being champion from Johnny Wrestling this evening. A glorious 57 days over, uh, you know, the scary apocalyptic guy. Rather see a face of, of a true wrestler in Johnny Gargano, a real real leader, a real face of a team, I guess, uh, to make a Baker Mayfield and the Browns comparison. Uh, 57 days and not long enough for a guy who was at NXT TakeOver 25, but one hell of a matchup either way because I was at NXT TakeOver New York as well. So I was on both sides of that title reign. So I'm, I'm pretty satisfied as a wrestling fan from a Johnny Gargano NXT title reign perspective. Pete Dunne, Pete Dunne making a main event case for himself lately, also giving us these Samoa Joe teasers and uh, the world's most technical wrestler taking on another NXT champion known for choking people out. Really interested in a match between Pete Dunne and Samoa Joe. Who knows? Slightest provocation could open open the floodgates for this matchup. Uh, Speaking of slightest and, uh, well, not slight in pain, but slight problem, perhaps, for the way. Uh, this interaction between Dunn, Oni, and the way, in theory, and Gargano, it would cost theory some digits at the very technical hands of Pete Dunn. So, uh, Gargano following up in Regal's office, even offering a nice new pencil, I believe... This was a case of Johnny Ticonderoga delivering the finest of number twos. Give a laugh at that if you want to insert a poop joke, but we're going for pencil jokes here. Uh, new pencil, no dice though. Not a, not a delay in this matchup. The only, uh, the only way to re- redeem this is sore fingers or not. Theory and Gargano teaming up versus Dunn and Oni Lorcan, and it would happen after some more women's action. The aforementioned, uh, Shirai and Stark collaboration, taking on the Robert Stone brand in Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea. Really interested to see if the Frankie Monet drama continues and what direction that takes. Also, another point of story here, really interested interested to see where Robert Stone's stylist takes him ne- uh, next with the uh, X marks the spot, putting the X in NXT with, uh, with that most recent suit design. Another impressive tag team match. I feel, I feel it's it's worth saying because it's honestly true. But she's an NXT veteran, and it's also a very difficult contribution. Aaliyah just keeps on getting better. The body of work, the uh, the heelish attitude, really finding her click and being Robert Stone's first investment. Like it or not, that's something of note and could be brought up as part of her character work. And Jesse Kamea being under the wing of somebody, I feel like could be a way to look at it as Aaliyah grows as this noted NXT 
veteran and uh, and long stay. But praise where it's due, but of course no victory, despite gelling more and more of a team as a as likely, well, as unlikely as the victory was, no dice. Shirai, Stark, although Suitman Stone and that, that X-Pattern, Chest Hair, Dangerous Fusion might be, a, might be the most dangerous spot of this entire matchup. Moving on, featuring the men's tag team division made official MSK versus Thatcher and Champa at Great American Bash. Could only start Imagining how great this one is going to be. Technic- uh, technical abilities of Thatcher. High-flying styles of MSK. The tag team veteranship and overall badassery of Tommaso Ciampa. We're in for one hell of a tag team championship match. Can Champa do it again with another tag team partner? He doesn't have to DIY. He has to do it with Toothless Timmy. Uh... Moving on to the, <laughs> while we're sitting in the tag team division, poor Austin Theory just struggling, struggling with the uh, with the no look high five, the location accuracy there, but uh, not the most ideal of circumstances. The finger tape not not convenient in the situation like this. Theory doing a great job selling the fingers through the entire course of this match. Theory doing a great job selling overall. He's young, he's bumping his ass off, he's got plenty of promise. Still, biggest mystery is probably going from the cocky bodybuilder to the muscle-headed moron, but uh, it earned him an apprenticeship and a father-son relationship with one of NXT's finest in Johnny Gargano. So, can't all be wrong in, in where Austin Theory's career is headed. Great, great back and forth. In this matchup, I love watching Oni Lorcan go. I could watch Oni Lorcan hit people hard in just his true signature fashion. I can just watch it all. Give give more half-hour matches to Oni Lorcan. Can't wait for Danny Burch to return. Can't wait for those two to, uh, to get that tag team title shot that they never lost. Will MSK's reign go all the way through to feature that that another ground and pound sort of hard hitting brawler style versus the high flyers in MSK. That was the match, really, really worth looking forward to. Take over stage, but these uh these cyto suplexes just don't play out the uh, the way they're anticipated sometimes. DDTs for all Johnny Gargano, Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, Johnny NXT. There's just, does this man have a bad match? Is he capable of doing it? No. Is he ever not laying out his entire little rebel heart and the canvas inside the ring, outside the ring? No. Biggest criticism was the start of the way. I was not sure that he could make this heel thing work. How dare I have even the slightest lack of faith in honestly one of my overall favorite wrestlers going right now? Uh... The one final beat for the W, but the outside DDT, most notable, tons of impacts. And uh, I thought it was a great tag team match. Dunn's another guy, never seen a bad matchup. Him versus Tyler Bate, take over Chicago, worth mentioning over and over for that NXT, or at the time, I guess, WWE United Kingdom Championship. However, you know... 
Not nothing gold can stay. Satisfying, great wrestling, Johnny Gargano. Out comes the tough leather jacket wearing, so that line by Gargano coming full circle. Credit where it's due on Cross's part, striking Gargano down post-match leather jacket clad and all. I I guess we're getting foreshadowing. It's not going to be TakeOver Vegas. It'll be great. It, I mean, Cross needs an opponent for Great American Bash. I'm sure Cross, the guy who was willing to put on, put the title on the line against four other guys, will want to put the title on the line one-on-one against Johnny Gargano, go out of his way to want this championship match. Although just, I mean, it, it's been it's been talk, Cross and... Uh, and main event tapings and this, that, and the other thing. I think it's it's a post-SummerSlam call-up. It's not going to be anything abrupt, or at least I hope not. I definitely hope the rumors of him and Scarlett being packaged separately aren't true, although her time to shine in the ring is still truly yet to come, in my opinion, as well. So there's a lot that there's a lot of open possibility for our current NXT champion at this point in time, but... Cross versus Gargano one-on-one. You know Johnny Gargano is going to make him look tough. He's going to make him look like a truly apocalyptic monster. And if there's going to be any match to get a character over like this that's supposed to be scary in this intimidating presence and really make the moves look brutal, it's going to be a match with Johnny Wrestling on a uh, on a big stage. I don't think it's going to last until TakeOver. I do think Kyle O'Reilly's moment in the sun is coming. I think if he proves he can best Adam Cole, not just in the lawless Wild West of an unsanctioned match, but an actually sanctioned victory one-on-one at Great American Bash, that puts him in title contention, or at least starts building momentum for him towards the next takeover setting, presumably in Las Vegas in front of a uh, in front of a sizable crowd, although NXT not traveling while the rest of the brand does. I totally understand that side of things too. But I say this is somebody not going to Vegas. Somebody hopeful to attend WrestleMania. I want to take over in front of a stadium-sized crowd again. Or at least some sort of... uh, I don't know the arenas in Vegas. So excuse me to anybody in Nevada that might be listening. But at least some sort of sizable stadium for uh for an NXT stage especially for folks who might not have worked uh worked a takeover before or anybody who hasn't worked a takeover main event in front of a crowd that size before Kyle O'Reilly a takeover veteran as a tag team member but really hasn't gotten that one-on-one chance to shine in the sun of a takeover event in front of that capacity of a crowd so an NXT title victory going there for uh for Kyle I could definitely see uh, see rating the stars. I don't know where that came from because I probably wasn't supposed to talk about Kyle O'Reilly until the main event. But again, a technical spectacle coming up that I do have a few notes on. But eyes glued to the uh, to the screen on this. Cross Gargano, Great American Bash. My prediction moving forward at podcast underscore uf on Twitter. If you want to join in the conversation of the NXT World's Title picture at this point in time. Women's division action. World's premier encore. Frankie Monet 2, Electric Boogaloo, taking on newcomer to NXT, Electro Lopez. 
A lot of positive things to say on my part about Electro Lopez. Looks like a believable opponent for Frankie Monet. Attractive. Signed. Can sell. Made Frankie look good. Really positive things to say about this match. Frankie Monet can wrestle. There's a... uh, I mean, as I sit down to record this, the GIF is going viral, but Frankie Monet's swift transition, blown away by her uh, by her ground game in this one. Lopez getting her advantages here, like I mentioned, able to, to show us what she can do on offense, but not lasting long. The big strikes and the glam slam. Encore, fully promised indeed, an encore victory for Frankie Monet, continuing her momentum in the NXT Women's Division. These are the prep matches that Frankie Monet should be having. These are the foreshadowings that make the audience look forward to that eventual match with her and Raquel. Raquel is going to build some wins, some get some really nice title defenses. The tension and dissension with Dakota Kai still up in the air, could be on the walls. Don't know. Want to see Frankie Monet versus Raquel Gonzalez. Honestly, more than I want to see Dakota Kai and Raquel split up over the championship. So uh, that's where I'm sitting as far as world title picture in the women's division go. But I'm always, always wanting to see Io Shirai challenge for the title again. Her in the David, David versus Goliath situation again. Give me that encore match where Raquel's a little bit more seasoned. That most recent Match at TakeOver in your house against Ember Moon, adding to her abilities and credibility as a champion. So if we want to run that back, that's possible. But Shirai versus Candice, not a match I could complain about either. Women's division, NXT, best in the world. It rules, if you will. How about that segue? The NXT division for the women rules, much like the tag team of Everize. Chase Parker and Matt Martell taking on Hit Row, trying to stick it to Hit Row to uh, through numerous shenanigans and uh, I don't want to say sh- chicanery, although that is a fun word to drop there, but vandalism, antics, uh, smack talking on the uh, on the Ever Rise Live show on the Twitter, debuting on the YouTube. Uh, could have already debuted on the YouTube. Did not watch Ever Rise Live live on the YouTube, so. Uh, Anyway, looking forward to what those guys bring to, to Saturday mornings moving forward. Subscribing and uh, making sure that I'm kept up to uh, to all things with this tag team because entertaining acts, a lot of fun, a lot of comedy chops, charismatic. Hoping for some eventual good things to come for, for Everrise, but it would not be this night. Failing to rule Hit Row, Top Dollar. And Ashante the Adonis just steamrolling a power bomb neck breaker. Ever rise seeing stars. Hit row continuing to see dollar signs. What can stop this group so far? Not nada. Side note, side note about the talented folks in Hit Row. Um, haven't watched it myself yet, but I know AJ Top Dollar is part of the WWE Collectibles. Show on a and I'm still catching up on the biography side of things as well. Uh, a lot of faith in them as a faction moving forwards. I really want to see B-Fab wrestle. 
I don't know if she's just going to be a manager and a mouthpiece and part of the music side of the faction, but I'd really like to see what she can do. I think she's got a good look and definitely some charisma, so even just, you know, basic match coming out of BFAB and a lot of character work, I think it would definitely be good to uh, to shine a little bit of the women's division light for Hit Row Records as well. And a light to be shown on the cruiserweight division also. Very excited that Kushida and uh, really great, great stuff knowing that the focus on the cruiserweight division is there. I mean, the open challenges each and every week. I read an SRS report on Fightful that WWE, or at least NXT, is looking to put more focus on that championship. So that's great. Hoping some 205 Live talents get to move over and really really do some some impressive debuts like we've been seeing across the board with Trey Baxter and Carmelo Hayes stepping directly up to Kushida. So I think there's a lot of a lot of possibilities in the cruiserweight division here and part of that is making it look like a big deal. And when Kyle O'Reilly is in the main events, presumably, of NXT Take NXT Takeover, NXT Great American Bash, it's where you want the cruiserweight champion being called out and saying I'm looking to take on the best moving into this big time matchup I want to match with Kushida and of course there's history between these two out there absolute one of my favorite phrases technical spectacle between these two eyes glued to the screen I got three lines I got Kushida so many ways to work the arm Kyle O'Reilly so many ways to work the legs the the heel hook and the glorious, glorious bridge coming from Kushida to counter it. And just great ending to this one. Nobody looked bad. Kyle ended up with the win. And both guys look, looked smart. And the Cruiserweight Champion, just for a split second, somebody in the main event, a proven champion, a proven big deal, in NXT for a long time through his run in Kyle O'Reilly, he got the best of him. And just when you think the match is going to go over with just a handshake and a mutual sign of respect, storming, storming like, I mean, I can't say a train because of the man, because of the man's size, like, at least like a four-door sedan storming down a boulevard at 65 miles per hour. Adam Cole hitting the ring, tumbling Kyle O'Reilly out of the out of the ring and over the announce table and all sorts of all sorts of chaos coming from Cole, full head of steam, looking to catch Kyle while fatigued at the end of his main event matchup against the cruiserweight champion. We were promised something this evening in full anticipation and it was opening and grab your pickaxes the diamond mine the diamond mine waiting for this for this one one segment to the to just shine the light and say here you go here it is this is diamond mine we get a debut much like the two men who just tumbled outside of the ring much like the first uniting of the Undisputed Era, another event I was fortunate enough to be in attendance for at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 over then newly crowned NXT champion Drew McIntyre. 
many moons ago. Yes, it was that many moons ago. Many fortnights. Many fortnights since the uh, since the Undisputed Era's debut at NXT TakeOver. But Diamond Mind hitting the ring in a much memorable way. Who would the first members... Who would the members of this group be? My guess is, I mean, Diamond and the Rust out in front of us already. So Malcolm Bivens and Tyler Rust not being seen on NXT TV, going away for just a little while. Good for them. Putting this masterpiece, mastermind of a faction together. Roderick Strong, and shout out to uh, WWE NXT Bible on spotting this for me. Finn Bauer calling out Roderick Strong that he'll always be a follower and will never be a leader. Storming the ring, first man to execute the move out of the members of the Diamond Mine, making that impact first, does Roddy. So presumed leader there, seasoned veteran Hideki Suzuki in the same class as Sarai, very large international WWE Performance Center class. I posted the article at podcast underscore UF on Twitter if you want to dig through and check that out and give that a read. Another guy, you... Just the presence of Suzuki. Everybody was wondering, who's that guy at the end? And then I was intrigued enough to do that amount of digging. I hope I'm not the only one out there. And I know there was a few people who might know by sight. But the intrigue was there because he's tough looking. I like Diamond Mine. The incoming vignettes running for so many weeks now. The buildup was right. It delivered on the members front. We're getting... Tyler Rust, proven on NXT TV already. Hideki Suzuki, an unproven commodity, trained in the snake pit by Billy Robinson, so the resume is there. I haven't seen personally what he can do in the ring. If anybody wants to recommend me some matches, more than open-minded to getting a preview before the presumed Diamond Mine. I'm, I'm imagining a tag team between Suzuki and Rust while Roddy goes after Kushida first for the Cruiserweight Championship. And Malcolm Bivens, mouthpiece, Roderick Strong matches, Tyler Rust, proven commodity on NXT TV, and Suzuki, who's an intriguing guy who's, who, I mean, knows what he's doing in the ring based on who he's trained by. So Diamond Mine shaping up to be that tough, nitty, gritty faction as anticipated by those vignettes. And I hope it wasn't too tough and gritty on your ears to listen to this podcast this week. We're going for a little bit over an hour, 11 and a half minutes as of this this ranting so far. So I'm going to let everybody go here. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Hoping to release this Friday or so. Hoping to be... Hoping to be your companion over the weekends or maybe Monday morning if anybody's commuting to work and doing that sort of thing. Or if anybody needs some Monday morning pick-me-up wrestling conversation about NXT, you know I'm here for you. Follow at podcast underscore UF on Twitter. Follow at C-D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C on Instagram. Personal account having issues with the podcast official account. So I'm going to start doing a little bit more promotion over there on the stories as well. Give a like on the Facebook page. Maybe I'll eventually go back to that. I'm a seldom user of my own Facebook other than just kind of scrolling around for wrestling memes. Just not a personal fan of it. Twitter is definitely my favorite form 
of wrestling communication, but also can be my least favorite at sometimes. If you know, you know, you're out there listening. If you follow already, thank you. Thank you for listening on your favorite podcasting platform, however you're doing it. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, coming Stitcher, my personal choice for podcast listening. Um, Anchor, whatever, Amazon Alexa I'm available on. That's a That was a pretty cool discovery. Thank you so much for your time. CD Danny Mac here, bringing you episode 125 of that UFP show, all about the NXT show, The Undisputed Future Podcast. And I'll talk to you next time.